you have a Bible, open to Matthew 25. Here we go. My name is Craig. I'm, I'm excited to be with you guys today. I'm trying to get situated in this stool. It's a little uncomfortable. I am recovering from Achilles surgery, but I am recovering. So, <laughs> praise God. Um, we're in this series called The Arrival, all about the Christmas season. And um, I just have to know, I gotta know who, who I'm dealing with here today. Who has their, their decorations all up and going? I mean, it's the, middle of, it's the middle of December, I should hope so. Who had them up prior to Thanksgiving? Show of hands, let's see you the super spiritual. Okay, now here we go, drum roll for the really super spiritual. Prior to Halloween, anybody? Anybody? Yes, there they are, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, that's great. The Christmas season is upon us. We're celebrating King Jesus who came. Uh, Emmanuel, that word means God with us. And the fact that God stepped out of heaven. And because of that, we, we fill little socks full of trinkets for our kids. <laughs> And we give gifts and we decorate trees and, and uh, whatever your, your traditions might be, this season's all about celebrating the fact that God came to us. Now here today, we got to sing about that and we celebrate, we're celebrating now that, that God stepped out of heaven and came to us. We even, we even got to celebrate today of what he did when he was here the pinnacle of what he did through his, his death, burial, and resurrection, and we received communion together. But I wanna let you know that today we're gonna look at another aspect of Advent, which is, which is what the arrival means. The Advent season is something that I personally don't typically think about or celebrate when it comes to the Christmas season. But I've come to understand that Believers like you and I for 1,500 years have celebrated this season called the Advent. And Advent means the arrival. And what they've celebrated, our brothers and sisters for 1,500 years, is not just the first coming of Jesus, but they've actually celebrated the second coming of Jesus in this season. And so, as weird as it may be, in the middle of December, in the middle of a Christmas series, my assignment today is to talk to you about the second coming of Jesus. And three people were excited about that. <laughs> you need to know that he's coming again. We're so happy, blessed that he came the first time, but he's coming again. And so we're gonna read this very interesting passage to start off with, and then we're gonna read quite a bit of scripture today, but we're gonna start in Matthew 25, uh, starting in verse one. And we're talking, it's talking about a wedding, so check this out. The kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps, and they went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took, with, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with them. As the bridegroom was delayed, 
They all became drowsy and they slept. But at, at, at midnight, there was a cry. Here's the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all of those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, truly I say to you, I don't know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Now that's a weird parable. Let me just pray one more time. Lord, I submit myself to you. We commit ourselves to you. And we ask that through your scripture and through your spirit, you would speak to us. As we, as we talk through all these different scriptures and, and what it is that you've spoken already, we ask that you would illuminate to our minds and our hearts what it is that we need to know now, what it means for our life now, what we're to do with your truth now, and what it is that we can look forward to in the future. So we commit this time to you in Jesus' name, amen. Um, raise your hand if you're married. You remember your wedding day? Some of you was a little further away, <laughs> longer ago. Your wedding day is just like super blurry a lot of times. There's just so much going on. It's a funny phenomenon that we have here in America where we spend so much time and so much money planning these days and then like the day comes and it's just sort of a blur because we're worried about all the details of it and we don't always enjoy it. Um, I remember my wedding day, we were running around taking photos, all these things going on. But of course, you know, the highlight of the wedding day is the wedding, uh, not the wedding night, but the moment of, uh, you know, when the bride walks down the aisle. Here in our culture, you got the groom standing on the altar in front of family, friends, in front of God. And he's wondering, man, what's she gonna look like? Is she gonna show up? <laughs> what's her dad gonna say? And uh, I might be like some of you where one of my favorite moments in a wedding that I'm attending is to of course first look at the bride when she starts walking down the aisle, but then immediately I turn and look at the groom. Because you see the look on his face and you're just hoping that tears will come out of his eyes. And what it is, is this moment, this culmination moment of what hopefully was a lot of preparation. Not just for the wedding day and, you know, whether the tablecloths will be right and what food is going to be served and are the flowers going to match the colors. Hopefully, even though we spend so much on the preparation for those details, hopefully there was a lot of other preparation for the actual marriage. We spend a lot of time preparing for the wedding day, but what about for the marriage? 
Now, what we're talking about in this parable is another type of wedding and another type of preparation that we need to be aware of. Now, I don't know if uh, you caught all the things in this sort of parable, but this sounds like um, a wedding that I've never been to before. This one's kind of (laughs) weird. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, well, that maybe sounds cool, but 10 virgins? Um, No, no, no. See, what this is actually probably talking about is this, this, uh, the way that they would do their weddings is this was probably the the bridal party. And some of, the, some of the Hebrew weddings back in the day that they would all be waiting, the bridal party would be waiting in one house. And then when it was time, the, the groomsmen and the, and the bridegroom would come to that house and there'd be this processional and they'd all be carrying their lamps and they'd be going unto the wedding feast. And then there would be the wedding processional. But we see that this, actu- this parable is really talking about something different, just like most parables. It's not talking about just uh, a, a, an earthly wedding. It's talking about what's going to happen in the end. It's, it's talking about really what's, what's going to happen in the second coming. It's talking about whether or not the people are ready. And I find it interesting that the parable is talking about oil. The way that Jesus chooses to describe what's going to happen in the end is whether or not they're prepared with oil. Now, what does oil represent in the scripture most of the time? The Holy Spirit. Oftentimes we see oil show up when it comes to anointing, but anointing somebody, say to be king or for some other reason, the anointing also is a representation that the Holy Spirit has called you to something. And so oil over and over and over again represents the Holy Spirit of God. And so this parable is talking about in the end, there's going to be a time when the bridegroom who is Jesus represented not only here, but in many scriptures throughout the New Testament, that the bridegroom who is Jesus is going to come. And the question is, are the people going to be ready with the Holy Spirit? In other words, are they filled with the Holy Spirit? Now notice that when the processional takes place and they all go into the wedding feast and the door is shut, they don't come and say, well, we have, we have the lamps now. Oh, they're working now. The flame is lit now. They, they come and knock on the door and Jesus says to them, I don't know you. You see, this whole thing is not about whether or not they had physical oil. It's about the fact that If you have the Holy Spirit, it means you know God. And if you don't know God and have his spirit in you, there will be a day that the door will be shut. But this is cause for celebration. This is Advent. We're celebrating the arrival, the arrival of Jesus coming to earth and his second arrival, his second coming. And so 
I wanna give you hope at the end of this. I wanna, I, wanna, I, I wanna hope that you'll leave this room with a smile on your face at the end of this and join your heart. And with a cry in your spirit that actually desires to say, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Because there, there should be, and there is a way for the church today to have a healthy cry in her heart that says, Jesus, I want you to come again. Come Lord Jesus. And so in order to get there, um, we're gonna cover quite a few passages. I'm gonna teach you, I guess, uh, through the lens of just looking at the different passages. And so we're gonna read quite a bit of scripture today. And so uh, follow along with me. They'll probably be up on the screen. But I just wanna like give you a 30,000 foot view of what it's gonna look like when Jesus comes again. Now, I don't know all the details and I'm not talking about eschatology. If you wanna hear my message on that, you can go find the sermon on YouTube called um, but what I do know is, because a lot of stuff I don't know, but what I do know is what's in that sermon and you can find it. That's all about the end times. I'm not really talking about the end times. I'm just talking today about what we know about his second coming. Because we know this, he's coming back. And we can cry, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. So here's a few things that we do know. First of all, we know that he will return. Acts 1.11 says this, men of Galilee, why are you standing looking at heaven? This is the angel speaking to the disciples when Jesus ascended back to heaven the first time. And they said this, this Jesus whom you saw taken away into heaven, he will come back the same way you saw him go to heaven. So he goes into the clouds and from the clouds he shall return. So we know that he's coming back. Number two, we know that he will come back quickly and for everybody to see. The first time, his disciples were there on the mountain. The second time, everybody's gonna see. Revelation 1-7 says this, Behold, he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Matthew 24, 27 says this, for, for as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. 1 Thessalonians 16, uh, 4, 16 and 17 says this, for the Lord himself, he will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and they will be, uh, then also we who are alive, who are left, we will be caught up with him in the clouds and we will meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. And just side note, this is what I believe is the only rapture as it were, the harpazo, when we are taken up with him, will be in this moment when he returns. That's my opinion. I do not believe that there will be another rapture. Nevertheless, have your opinion, but we know this, that when Jesus does return, we will be caught up with him, the dead will rise, and we will be with him from that point on. Matthew 24, verse 30 and 31 says this, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all of the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds and from the end of one, uh, from, from one end of heaven to the other. So when he came the first time, we know that he showed up in a manger. We know that only a few saw him. We know that it was his family. We know that it was the animals. We know that it was the shepherds, but it was 
There was not a lot of people that saw him the first time. We know that when he comes again, all of the earth will see. We know that when he ascended into heaven, he ascended upon the clouds. And we know that when he returns, he will come back upon the clouds. We know that when he comes back, he will come with a loud trumpet call and every nation will see him coming. And those who have oil will be taken up with him. Here's a passage about what he might look like. We know that when he first came, there was nothing about him to draw us to him. We know that there was nothing about his physical appearance that was special to, uh, to gaze upon. We know that men looked upon him and despised him and saw him smitten by God and afflicted. But he's not gonna look like that the second time. Revelation 19, 11 says this, Then I saw heaven opened and behold, a white horse and one sitting on it called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire. And on his head are many diadems. And his name, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. And he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which, he, by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following, with him, following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. For the way you saw him come the first time, is not the way that you're gonna see him come the second time. For he came, and this month we celebrate the fact that he came as a little baby in a manger, humble, pure. Nothing about him special, not, not arrayed in fine linen, not living in king's castles, but born in a manger. But the second time he comes, he's coming as a mighty warrior on a white horse with eyes like flames of fire, with hair like wool. And that will be a great day for those that have oil. Oh, that will be a beautiful day for those who have oil. Do you have oil? Do you know the Christmas songs and know how to go through the motions? Or do you have oil? Do you put on the church clothes, put on the church shoes, show up even in the snow? But do you have oil? Sing all the Christmas carols, go through all the traditions, you know, read the Gospel of Luke on Christmas morning. 
say a prayer before dinner, raise your kids upright, to be good Christians, American Christians, but do you have oil? Do you have oil? For there were five that looked like they belonged, but they didn't. And it wasn't about how they looked, what they did, how they went through the motions. It was about, listen, I never knew you. What will people be doing when he comes? Matthew 24, for it will be like the days of Noah. So will be the coming of the son of man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying and giving into marriage. In other words, they were celebrating and they were living their life. Not paying attention to what Noah was doing. <laughs> Look at this religious guy building an ark. Until the days of Noah, when, he, when Noah entered the ark, they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will it be in the coming of the Son of Man. I'm just telling you what it's gonna be like. We, we know what it's gonna be like. There are a lot of things we don't know, but these are the things we do know. Now, what is he gonna be doing? We know what the world's gonna be doing. What's he gonna be doing? Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all of the nations and he will separate them, excuse me. He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Now brace yourself for this one. Can I step on your toes? It's not really me, it's just the Bible. Second Thessalonians chapter one, get ready. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. Now that's scary but it's true. Now, I don't know if you're here in this church because you're part of our family or maybe it's your first time, but I just wanna let you know that we have a, a, a weight on us from God as preachers of the word to preach to you of the fullness of what the scripture says. We're compelled to preach to you not only of the cozy aspects the encouraging aspects of the scripture, but also the challenging ones. As somebody text me this week and say, hey, what are, you, what's, what are they preaching on this weekend? I, <laughs> I said, hey, I'm preaching on the second coming. 
So if you're planning on inviting a friend, still invite them. <laughs> because though it might not seem like what you want to hear, it might be exactly what you need to hear. Now we could take joy in the fact that we can cry, come Lord Jesus. That there can be a Maranatha cry in us that says, come Lord Jesus, I want you to come back. And we can cry that in a healthy way because we know him, because we delight in him, because we have oil and we're ready for him. Now there can also be an aspect in us, a healthy aspect, the desires that he would tarry, the desires that he would stay. Why? Because we know that there are still some family and friends that don't yet know him. We know that the gospel is still yet to be preached to the nations. We know that there should be a, a compulsion in us also to reach with other people the gospel, that they might not be left out of this, that the door might not be shut on them, that they might come to know him also, that they might be found with oil. And so there's a tension in us that we say, Jesus, wait, because we need to reach more. And something in us that can also say, Jesus, come, because we're ready for you. And so what do we know? We know the first time he came in humility and a manger, but we know the second time he comes, he's coming in might. We know the first time he came, he came as a baby. We know the second time he comes, he's coming riding on a white horse like a mighty ruler. We know the first time he came that men despised him and didn't look upon him with joy. We know the second time he comes that all nations will view him as the king and the ruler that he is. There is a difference between the first time that we celebrate this month. Oh, thank you, little baby Jesus, for coming. But the second time he comes, he's coming as a warrior king. And he's coming to sit on his throne. The first time he came, listen, he came to open a door of grace. But the second time he comes, he's coming to close a door. And the door, friends, right now as you hear my voice is open wide to you. It is open so wide and grace is offered and forgiveness is offered. And it's not based on how good you are. It's not based on your perfection. It's not based on your legalism. It's not based on you following the rules. It's not based on you looking prim and proper. It's based on you receiving by faith his gift offered to you and you receiving his spirit inside of you and surrendering to the Holy Spirit and his filling and when the Holy Spirit fills you, he changes you. That's what sanctification is. And he fills you. And as he fills you, he pushes other things out. He fills you and sin leaves. He fills you and addiction leaves. He, he fills you. And though you might struggle with those things, they are not now your nature. They are not now your primary desires. They are not now your, your natural proclivities because your nature now is a son of God or a daughter of God. You are a saint, not a sinner. You're filled with the Holy Spirit spirit. And so that is your nature now. Though you might stumble and fall, you know him. And you're ready for his coming. He came to open a door and that door is open wide for all of us right now. And I urge you to walk through the door now before the door is shut.
So what do we need to do? Matthew 24, 42. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know the day that the Lord is coming, though many, many have tried to predict it. I mean, I literally looked it up, friends. I was gonna read to you all the predictions, and there are far too many to read. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And everybody who missed it, they're just uh, eating their words. I don't know what they're doing. Like, I don't know what all the cults are like. It's definitely December 21st, 20, you know, whatever it was, 2021. It's like 2012. Now they're just, the cult ceases to exist. I don't know. Matthew 24, 44, therefore you must be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So, what I've noticed is that there tends to be a certain type of person that I've, that I've heard that typically cries, come Lord Jesus. What I have noticed is that the, the type of person that I ever hear desiring for the Lord Jesus to come is the person that's just sick of what's going on here. Ah, oh, society. Ah, the liberals. <laughs> ah, the government. Oh, politics. Just come already, Jesus. <laughs> Or they're just sick of their own life. And they're just like, just come back already, Jesus. But there should be a healthy cry from the church. The cries, come Lord Jesus. I wanna turn with you to the very end of the Bible. Some of the very last words in all of Holy Scripture has the same cry, that there should be the seed in the heart of a believer filled with oil that has a cry, a healthy cry, not just oh, I'm sick of the world cry, but a healthy cry that desires the Lord Jesus to come. Watch this, Revelation 22, the last two verses in all of Scripture He who testifies of these things says, quote, this is Jesus speaking, surely I am coming soon. And then John the writer writes, amen, or let it be. And then there's this declaration, come Lord Jesus. He says, I'm coming. And there's a response that says, come. And then the scripture ends, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all, amen. And this is the cry of our hearts. This is the cry that should live in us, those that have oil, those that, if you are really waiting for your wedding day and you're waiting for the bridegroom to come, now I, I just have to like remind you because we, we live in a different culture where now it's like the groom stands on the, the altar waiting for the bride to come, but friends, you need to know that throughout scripture, man or woman, we're all the bride. 
We are all the bride. The church is the bride of Christ. And we are to be married to the groom, Jesus. And there is going to be a, a great wedding, wedding ceremony, as it were. We sung about it just a while ago. The marriage supper of the Lamb. That there will be a day when, when the bride, the church, those that are filled with the Spirit of God, those that are, that are believers, those that are born again, that, that we are to be united with Him in heaven for eternity. And it's going to be beautiful. And it's going to be amazing. And it's going to be forever. And because of that, there can be a cry in our heart, just like in the scripture that says, come Lord Jesus. Now the song we were singing about, this comes, I'm gonna finish with this scripture here, 1 Corinthians 16. This is where it comes from. That word Maranatha says this, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. He had a scribe do the rest of it. And then he picked up the pen at the very end and he says, if anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be anathema or accursed. And then he says this, our Lord, come. And then he finishes that letter. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you, my love with you all in Christ Jesus, amen. But right here in verse 22, the last three words, our Lord, come, is actually the New Testament is written in Koine Greek. But this little tiny section is Aramaic. And for whatever reason, Paul chose not to write in Greek as he had written the rest of the letter, he chose to write in Aramaic, the common language, the common language of the Hebrews or the Israelites. Now this is interesting because he's writing to the Corinthians in Greece who speak Greek. Now, the whole New Testament is written in Greek, and so even to the Hebrew world, they were reading Greek at the time, but especially those in Greece. But these three words, it's actually two words in Aramaic, were written in Aramaic. Maranatha, which means, come Lord. And so it begs the question, what would compel him to write in a Greek letter two Aramaic words. Now, theologians have different opinions about this and it's debatable for sure. But I think the most probable is that it was a known statement, that it was a known sort of keyword or passphrase amongst those who believed. Kind of like the Jesus fish. You know, the Jesus fish was sort of like a like a, a greeting, like a, I'm on the inside with you. You know, because the, the, the word fish actually spell, the letters of the word fish in Greek spell what we call the ichthus, which, which is like the first creed, the first statement of faith, which says Jesus Christ, God's son and savior. And so, you know, when they were being persecuted, maybe one guy would walk up to another and just draw with his foot in the sand half of the, half of the fish. And then if you were with a fellow believer, they might draw the second half of the fish and that's how you knew, oh, we both believe that Jesus Christ is God's son and he's the savior. This might be another one of those. Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. Come Lord Jesus. And so I wanna ask you today, are you ready for his second coming? Is there, is there 
a way for your heart and your mind to actually cry, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, because you know that if he comes, you're filled with oil. Come on out, worship team. Is there something in you that desires for him to come because you know that you're ready? But I also wanna ask you, not just about the second coming, but is there something in you that desires to cry, come Lord Jesus in my life right now? Come Lord Jesus and fill my life right now. Come Jesus, I open all of my life to you right now. Come Lord Jesus and here's my finances. T -t Take a look at them and tell me what you want me to do, Jesus. Come Lord Jesus in my relationship. How do you want me to navigate this relationship right now? Come, Lord Jesus, come and, and guide me with my kids. Come and guide me with, in my home. Come and, and fill me as I go to my workplace. Is there, is there really genuinely something in your heart that's crying, come, Lord Jesus, because you want him and you want all of him and you want the fullness of him and you desire that he would fill your life. This is crazy. But God does this. We had a prophet come through a few times. His name is Charlie Sweet. Anybody remember Charlie Sweet? He's with, a, with, a, with us for the sound a few times. We have our sound gathering coming up in January. I wanna encourage you to prepare your heart for that. It's our prophetic weekend. Charlie lives in Florida. And I don't even know, you know, if... Why, like, I'm, I'm like a nobody to, you know, to him. He travels all over the world, but occasionally Charlie will text me randomly. And I got a text from Charlie this morning at 7 a.m. This morning. And you can't make this stuff up. This is what he said. Indispensable Holy Spirit. We cannot get along without the Holy Spirit. You cannot live without breathing. You cannot live without the Holy Spirit in your life. We want people to grow and mature and grace helps to do that. But we need more than just being born again. We need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Jesus himself needed the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must be indispensable to us. Friends, the very nature of the prophetic gift is that when it comes, it is personal from the heart of God for you. And it came this morning. Now I already had my message prepared and that I believe was already from God. But this is just a stamp on top of it. And so we're going to sing. I want, to, I want to invite you to stand to your feet. We're going to, we're going to start by singing. And I just, if you can, just start singing Maranatha, Come Lord Jesus. And I want to invite you all across this room to close your eyes. To even as they begin to sing, to examine your heart. Is there anything in your heart that you actually can't sing, Come Lord Jesus, because you're trying to hide something? or you're not ready to surrender something. And if there's anything that's separating you, I invite you to let it go as we begin to sing louder and bolder. 
that if even now that would be the cry of come Jesus, 